Welcome, everybody, to the Western Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Steven Meister, and with me is my constant co-host, Cobalt. The Swiss stage has finally come to a close and has gone out with a bang, as a Korean team had to take out a Korean team, and only one Western team has found their way through into the quarterfinals, but it probably wasn't the Western team that you were thinking about making it through. Cobalt, how has the Swiss stage treated you and your mental so far? You know... Steve, most of the time, I'd probably tell you that I've been doing good and I've been enjoying the games. But if I said that this week, I think I'd be lying. You know, it's like before we kind of talk about anything else, I think that there's a bit of an elephant to got to address. And, you know, it's it's got to be that energy versus G2 series. Like, as you said, not the team that most people were expecting. I certainly wasn't that one of those people that was expecting it. But, you know, it fair's fair. As the NA guy, I kind of got to let you take first crack at this. Let's get it out of your system. Let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, e- even going into the series for me, I did not give NRG any shot. And I believe I said that in the podcast. I was not really ready to give them any sort of credit or any sort of really kind of leeway going into the series. G2 clearly seemed like that they were going to be the better team. Obviously, the, the pedigree of the players is there when you look at who they have. You know, Caps... Uh, Han Sama, even though he had a little bit of a rough patch when he did come to North America, he's went back to G2 and, and he's been fine enough. You know, Mickey's you know one of the best supports out there that you can find, especially in the West. Even Yike, who's coming as a rookie, has done pretty solidly for G2 as well, replacing Yankos. That was no small shoes to step into, but he's done a really nice job. And yet, somehow, El Contrado and Palafaker come out of North America, and those two guys absolutely dominated that entire series. Contracts has looked about as good as he has since his early times with C9 when they were, you know, winning a little bit of LCS titles here and there. They were looking pretty decent. And Palafox, who was also a C9 Academy member for a while, he's finally been breaking through with uh, the LCS main stage now, being on CLG, which now obviously became NRG. And, you know, he's been just going super crazy as well. The rest of the team, they're kind of playing their roles. You know, I'm still not super wowed by, like, you know, Dokla or FBI or Ignar too much they they all have their moments here and there it's really contracts and palafox who have really stepped up their play and they're definitely becoming the main guys on that team now and it, it's very very exciting to see um you know as as i'm sure i've mentioned before finishing nine and nine only in the summer split in the lcs taking down c9 in the finals was a huge surprise to everyone obviously even a little bit of an elephant in the room for nrg right they've gotten some lucky draws they had weibo in the first round which was a very tough draw and very fair but then they only got drawn tl they got drawn mad lions and even drawing g2 and you know who at the time especially were still viewed as a very difficult opponent for nrg they were still the easiest opponent that they could have gotten out of anyone they could have drawn in the 2-1 stage and then even now after beating g2 uh, they draw Weibo in the quarterfinals, which we'll get to later on at the end of the episode. But even then, that's probably the luckiest draw that they could have gotten in terms of just obviously getting the fourth seed out of China, the only fourth seed uh, to still be in the tournament now at this point. 
So the, the, the luck for NRG has definitely been there. I did see some things on, on Twitter, I believe, where like Weibo is kind of smacking them in scrims. So maybe it is for NRG probably not maybe the best matchup that they would have wanted, at least based off of scrims. But in theory, you're getting your easiest opponents a lot of the time. And, you know, obviously some people will criticize them for that, but there's nothing really for them to be criticized for. They're not the ones controlling the draws or anything like that. They can only play who's in front of them. And in the end of the day, that's all they can do. Just control what you can control, play your best League of Legends on the day, be better than your opponent, and NRG has definitely done that. And, you know, even though that they will definitely be underdogs going into that Weibo series, it's a super fun run from them, and they can definitely take a lot away from this playing at the international stage against some of these great teams that they'll probably be having more scrims with now, obviously advancing into the quarters. And it'll should, at the very least, will be a great learning opportunity for a lot of those guys. Some of those guys have been around for a long time. No contract has been in the league, like I said, with C9 for such a long time. Dokla has been around in the league for such a long time. FBI even as well, and Ignar Palafox. He's probably the new guy to the LCS on their team but even then like uh, he's been with the C9 Academy for a while and going up and down a little bit and he's finally coming through and it's just been so fun to see this kind of like group of misfit players never really were the stars super much anywhere on their teams but they're all kind of coming together here and whatever kind of I guess characteristics you would put into like team building it seems like that that NRG has that whether it's just getting along with each other or having a similar idea of how to play the game or like I said any any sort of that like personable like human stuff that that you would put in terms of like just normal chemistry and getting along with each other as a team they definitely have that whereas it doesn't seem like you know C9 and TL have had that kind of team aspect around them they have pretty talented individual players but they're not always able to come together as a team and NRG, at least for now, have shown that the, the sum of the parts is definitely a lot better than just the individual pieces, and it's a it's a big credit to them and what they're doing over there, because definitely, especially going into the seasons, you're looking at these names, and you're not expecting anything out of them, and they're all just sort of really starting to come together at the end. Again, contracts in Palafox peaking at the right time. And it's going to be a ton of fun to watch them play Weibo, even if they do lose, you know, as they're going to be expected to. There's absolutely no pressure on them. The fact that they're here is incredible. Just go in there, do your thing, and who knows what can happen. I said the same thing about G2. They beat them. We'll see what NRG can do now that they've made it here. And I love that you bring up scrims there, because if we even look at the energy versus G2 scrims, like I think G2 recently, their their manager, Ramon, released their, their scrim blocks and energy had like a 10% win rate or something. Like one of those blocks, they got literally 7-0'd and then they beat them on stage 2-0. So I don't know, maybe maybe those scrims aren't too much to latch on to, but it, it is what it is. And I it, it, it kind of happened the way it did. I'm depressed. I'm sure you're pretty happy about that, but... Well, yeah, and, and you, you take scrims with a grain of salt all the time anyways, right? You know, because the, the strategies and stuff that happen in scrims, you know, from, from what you hear from, like, you know, listening to co-streamers or people that are involved in teams, it's that, you know, the culture in scrims is kind of like, you know, if they, they try some, some games, you might try early game stuff, and if an early game goes really bad, then you ask to remake, and then if another early game thing bad goes bad, then they FF, you know, and then they just, you know, go on to the next game or whatever, and they don't even really treat that like a real thing. So you always take scrims with a bit of a grain of salt, but I mean, even so, like a, a 7-0 and the, the huge win rate that G2 did have over NRG is is pretty convincing, but it all changes when you go on stage. Just, just something happens, you know, it's, it's a lot more serious, obviously. You have to play a bit safer, you know, and you're not having that luxury of being able to restart a game or whatever and and scrims only can can do so much. It's It can be good practice, but you really need to be able to still perform your best on stage. Yeah. 
And kind of on my side of how I saw this series, like the first call out I got to make is that last episode, I kind of stated my disappointment about the lack of upsets. And guess I, I guess I got exactly what I asked for in literally the only series. You brought, you brought on yourself, the man. The only series in the entire tournament, I didn't want an upset. And it happened. So so there you go. But, but that being said, I, I think the kind of cope take that I've got is that I think we kind of witnessed a 1% event here. Like on the G2 side, this was G2's worst performance all year, period, full stop. I can't really say if that's because they underestimated energy and underprepared, if maybe they were being a bit cocky about their own ability, or if that sickness that went around the team supposedly is to blame. Hard to say, but regardless, I think something went pretty wrong on their side. And then on the other half, you've got energy, who I think have played at 200% capacity in this series. Like, probably in my opinion and a single best international performance in a very long time playing like really really good clean league of legends like all four all five of the energy players kind of as you mentioned gap their respective counterparts and as you mentioned as well palafox game one that nico landing every single ult on three or more people and then contracts in game two picks that j4 and every single time his flash is up this guy's using eq flash hits the most illegal knockups and wins his team fights so the drafts were clean they were aggressive they denied counterplay they they showed immense huge confidence in all the decisions they were making and and it, it worked out for them. So huge credit to them. I think that they played really well on the day and they absolutely earned their spot in quarters. And I think we can kind of use this as a good kind of jumping off point into the rest of the episode where we're going to be talking about the teams that have been eliminated and obviously the teams that have advanced as well. I don't know how much we'll really be getting into depth on like specific games and stuff like that, but we're going to be, at least for what I have, we'll be taking more of a broader look at how these teams have gone. And the first team that I'm going to start off with, I, I believe I'm going in mostly chronological order here, uh, but forgive me if it's not perfect. Uh, the first team that I had down that I saw eliminated was uh, Cloud9, obviously starting up with them again as well, because this is uh, primarily an EU show. The overall run of C9 at Worlds was pretty disappointing. In terms of the draws and stuff like that, they did get a little bit unlucky starting off with Mad Lions. They got a good win as they should have. But then going into both LNG and T1 after that were both very, very tough matches for them. They did try to uh, honor Fnatic and abuse their uh, little pause hack uh, during the, the game against LNG, but they weren't quite able to execute it to perfection. They did get the Baron off of it, but they obviously lost the fights after that, lost the game pretty quickly after that as well. And the T1 game was a blowout, nothing really surprising there. They go into that final series against Fnatic to avoid elimination, and the first game looked, you know, pretty solid. It, it, it was a, a a fine, you know, pretty solid routine game for C9. But uh, game two and three were just really weird because they both just had an individual, like, sequence or play in both of those games where it, it kind of just looked like they were really lost on a call or didn't know what they were doing, and they just lost the games for, for free, pretty much. Those games were, were relatively stable until these two individual plays happened. So for the, the second game, there was uh, a play around the Baron where C9 just uh, started up the Baron. It, it was 5v5. Again, like, nothing really happened too much before that, but they think they can catch Fnatic out of position. They start up the Baron. They get it to have health, but then Fnatic catch on. They end up transitioning over to the Baron, and then C9 just, like, kind of give it up. They, they they realized that they probably weren't in a good position to fight, I guess. Obviously, they're taking some damage from tanking the Baron, and I guess they just thought that, hey, like, we can't really 
contested anymore, so they just left the Baron and let Fnatic get it for free, and then they didn't re-engage on the fight when Fnatic was on the Baron, they re-engaged after they got the Baron, so not only on top of that, they lose the fight in the re-engage 3 for 0 after Fnatic already took the Baron. So not only did they obviously not take it, they could have just tried to cut their losses, but they didn't even try to do that as well, and then that cemented that game in the in the in the coffin for them basically. And then in the third game, there was a fight at the Dragon Pit where Fnatic was able to take the dragon, and it was the four members of C9 were going into like the choke point on red side, going up towards the blue buff, but it was Infernal Rift, I'm pretty sure. So Sven was coming on the flank a little bit around the side of it. MNS was playing LeBlanc that game, and instead of trying to, to take a, a more you know flank route kind of with Sven or looking for a different position to come into, he ends up running with C9 into that the rest, the rest of C9 into that choke point, and they just get combo CC'd uh, by Trimby and Razork, I believe. Noah deals a ton of damage on uh, his champion. I think it was either Zaya or Aphelios. I think it was Zaya, but it might have been Aphelios. Um, I could be wrong on that. But anyways, they get absolutely piled in on. MNS has no mana, so... He casted his 1W to get into that play, and that was all he had. He gets blown up. C9 gets really uh, heavily damaged in that fight. Sven tries to come in from the flank to try and save it, but by that point, it's not enough. They try to chase down Noah with Blabber and Fudge, just trying to flash in, dive in onto him with every sort of ability that they can to try to knock him down, but Noah lives, and they end up getting aced at that dragon fight, and Fnatic got the dragon. And it's, it's just those instances like that where it was literally basically game over for them at the end of after that. There was no coming back the the gold lead from Fnatic was going to be too strong and they they lost the series two to one and I'm, I'm very disappointed because they definitely should have been able to be at the very least in much better positions in those games if not uh, winning them in the end obviously who knows how the game goes you know differently from how those different events would happen if they didn't overchase or if they didn't do that Baron or if they just try to contest the Baron earlier but they end up going out uh, two to one against Fnatic they only win the one game in Worlds against Mad Lions their very first game and again the draw was tough but you gotta be able to beat the teams that you're on that similar level with and they definitely should have been able to beat Fnatic and now when I look at C9 even just at the the national level at the LCS level I'm not I'm not really sure where they're gonna go from here I mean I think from from a fan perspective I think it's safe to say that you would probably expect MNS to be out you would you would hope that Berserker would stay I know he he posted on his Twitter before that series about a, it being a military angle if they lost but I'm not necessarily expecting him to, to go anywhere unless he does have to do military for some reason, but I know there's kind of ways to push that stuff back uh, for, for Korea. So you're hoping that Berserker stays, because you kind of need him to, unless you're, you're finding some other young prodigy to bring in. You're looking for a new mid laner, right? So the, there's going to be, I, I, it's not really solidified, but two spots that you know what you're going to need. You're going to need a new mid laner, and you're going to need to keep Berserker around. Blabber is under contract through 2026. I think he signed a new contract this year, um, so I don't expect him to go anywhere either. He's one of the best, if not the best, jungler in North America still, so he's probably not going anywhere. Uh, Fudge is interesting because I know he's kind of lost his luster since uh, he was originally coming into the league. I think he's still solid, but he has not had a ton of consistency at the international events, which is obviously where you would like to, you know, see your team improve at. C9's almost always going to be good nationally, unless they really try to blow something up. And I don't think that's likely to happen, but I do think that there's kind of an interesting linch point in Sven, because Sven, you know, he's been improving as support, he's played the role for a couple years going on now. 
And he's, he's far from a bad support. He's actually pretty decent, especially, again, in, in North America. And the biggest thing with Sven is that he's exactly the type of personality that it seems like C9 needs. They need a guy like Sven who, he's been around for such a long time, he has a ton of experience in a bunch of different situations, he's not afraid to use his voice and call things out when they're bad or when they're good or when they're being complacent, you know, etc., etc. He's the kind of voice and personality that that team, I think, really needs, but... If you're going to keep Berserker around, and obviously at the start of the year, Berserker said he wanted to play with Sven, Sven wanted to play with Berserker, so they didn't touch that, that pairing. You need Berserker to stick around, because again, it's going to be hard to find an upgrade from him individually. But Sven, you can probably find an individual just like upgrade at the position in terms of just playing support and like having, you know, maybe some better knowledge or better mechanics at the game. But are they still going to be able to fit in personality-wise? And can C9 manage without with losing a voice like Sven? So I think it'd be interesting if something does happen at the support position, then maybe there is some more roster changes coming in. You know, maybe you do want to find a different top laner who maybe fits different needs or fits if, if you need to find a more, uh, I guess, leadership presence on the team. Maybe you look for a different top laner, you know, or maybe you're, you're lucky and you can find another support who still fits that kind of style and is better than Sven. I'm not sure what to think because in the LCS, it's been news everywhere that obviously the contract bubbles are bursting and salaries are going to be plummeting. So I don't know what the moves that C9 could make are that would make this team better from what you have right now, except for finding a new mid laner. So I'm, I'm kind of nervous for C9 and the fact that I think they're just going to be in no man's land, though they'll be good nationally in the LCS and that's fun you know like winning spring and summer as long as you can win both of those each year or at the very least I'd say I'd say I'd rather have them win summer than spring but if you can at least win one LCS title a year I'm, I'm cool with that but I at least want to go into Worlds or go into MSI hoping that they can make a run into the knockout stage. I'm not expecting them to have to win it or go super deep in it, but I want to have faith that they can make it at least into quarters. And I thought that maybe with Fnatic it could happen, but going into the Worlds event, I was not expecting them to really be able to do that uh, just because I didn't think that the roster was really going to be up to it with how they were playing. And, and as I mentioned before with NRG, look at how they play as a team it's just so much cleaner and they're always seemingly on the same page and finding good opportunities whereas with c9 uh they, they don't end up playing around berserker still as much as they should have i think they they had uh they, in the game three they pay they played jack's rumble into the top lane when in game one they had fudge on rumble and oscar in and was on jacks and c9 crushed that matchup against Fnatic. but then they willingly picked the reverse side of it into the second game and they had to spend resources top on fudge to keep him stable in the matchup so when they're when they're sending Sven and Blabber top lane to help out Fudge, then Berserker's kind of fending for himself, and he does a great job of fending for himself. C9 are very lucky, lucky that they have an AD carry who can do that, but imagine if they were just focusing all that pressure and attention onto him instead. So I, I don't really know where this is going to go, and as a C9 fan, like I said, I'm kind of just thinking they're in no man's land of being good in the LCS, but can they actually give fans confidence going into an international event we'll have to wait and see yeah i think you do did a pretty good job covering that you know as the c9 guy i think you, you kind of have that that deep knowledge that that covers all the bases so kind of just to summarize the general things that i saw is that a mns as you mentioned was probably the main weakness of this roster and i don't anticipate he's going to be sticking around and overall the team just I, i'd say didn't meet their own standards and 
I, I don't get the impression we saw what they really were capable of. I don't think they showed their best, which is disappointing, of course, but it unfortunately is the way that the tournament played out. And then I guess we can jump into Matt as the next team that was eliminated. And, you know, for me, what a shocker. Just like at NMSI, I predicted that for Worlds, they failed to take a single international game and flawlessly demonstrated why this team are sheer frauds. And we kind of have to go over their full road here to to get a, a good look at why that is. So number one, they lost to C9. They had a lead for exactly zero minutes. They were straight up gapped. Then they go up against NRG, and that game for me was really funny because you've heard me say that Mad wins games by sitting and waiting for the enemy to throw. Well, NRG threw all right that game, but Mad, for whatever reason, were on a mission that day to throw even harder. So they lose that game. And then then they lose to Weibo, once again failing to demonstrate anything other than depression. And you can give them credit that they beat BDS, but that's that's not an international match. That doesn't really count. So I've I've kind of said this at length. They they failed across the board all year long, and it at this point all I'm really looking forward to is what happens next because I've been hearing a little bit of rumors in the will, mill that uh, the Koi Rogue arrangement is falling apart for financial trouble reasons, and then there's rumors that mad might somehow be entangled in this situation too so with all these mad players now being allowed to explore options i want to see the team blown up and and see what they can do when they're put on other teams and hopefully they can do better because this year was just not it yeah and you know not being able to watch as much lec as i wanted to in the in the summer split especially um I, it's very surprising still how mad they're just kind of the same team like you were talking about the whole year just uh very volatile, very disappointing for the European fan base. Um, I think you did a great job covering everything uh, for them in terms of you know the the overall team and you know wanting to see a lot of changes. Um, and I was going to mention it too if you didn't. Yeah, the whole roster was allowed to look for other options elsewhere. There was that thing with uh, Koi and Rogue where Abai had to like pay a lot of uh, salary supposedly out of his own pocket. And then uh, he wants to start a, a team with El Yoya, kind of as like a, the centerpiece of a Spanish team in the jungle. So we'll see if that something like that does come through, where El Yoya will be leaving. Um, but yeah, very very disappointing to see Mad, you know, just kind of never really being able to challenge things, never really being able to to make some sort of real noise. Um, yeah, definitely disappointing from them. They they beat BDS. They had that one opportunity. You know, they got lucky with the draw, but lost to C9 and NRG. And then Weibo absolutely took care of them. Uh, even though Niski did have a really good game one there uh, on the Silas, he never was able to actually get onto anyone in the fights. He was locked down and never really got to take advantage of that big lead that he built up in the actual team fights. And, uh, when he when he died uh, in those fights, no one else on Mad Lions had any sort of shot to do anything. So, rough year for Mad, and yeah, we should be expecting, I would assume, big roster shakeups with them uh, going into next year. I can only hope. We can only hope. So the next team we will get into then is Gam. Uh, not too much to say about them, honestly, for me. Like it was great to see them take that series against Team Liquid. I don't think anyone was really going to give them any sort of a shot in it. But there has been, you know, some of these teams as we've seen throughout past Worlds, where hey, like you know, even if they're not in in Albus Knox Luna, maybe they're a Kaboom where they can take a game off of Alliance, you know, and really mess with them. Gam did a great job here messing with TL. They absolutely earned that series. Uh, but other than that. 
they kind of just looked like a minor region team. They had tough opponents, and they lost to those tough opponents. I will say that a lot of their players did have some good moments of individual success. Slater had that pentakill in the play-ins. Kati, I believe, won the MVP of their series to get out of play-ins. I'm pretty sure Kiaya had some pretty nice standout moments here and there. So they didn't leave without some highlights, but in the end of the day, it kind of just went as expected for them. I don't have too much to say other than good job on, on beating Team Liquid. Yeah. Pretty much same story here. I think that we've more or less come to accept that the play-in stage is sort of the where the play-ins team supposed to show their stuff and kind of take on the rest of the minor regions. And the goal for them, really realistically, even they would probably admit this, is to just get out of the play-in stage, show that among those teams that they're comparable to, that they're better, that they've earned the place in the main stage, and then whatever else they achieve is a bonus. So being able to beat TL, as you mentioned, was a pleasant surprise on their side. I I know that they took it very well and they were very happy about that. So they, for me, they should be going home with their heads held high and continue in the future, regardless of whether this roster stays together or some changes are made. They hopefully will continue to show that the VCS and their team in general are near the top of the smaller regions and will be aiming to do even more in the future. And we'll get to aiming later on when we talk about KT Rolster, but for now we gotta talk about the fourth seed out of Korea, plus Kia ending up getting eliminated at the hands of KT in their 2-2 two and two matchup. DK put up a, a valiant effort, I mean, even though they, they did start 0-2 and, and to give them some flack, they, their only two wins did come against GAM and BDS. So far from beating the, the top tier competition to end up getting here, um, they did play a decent series against KT though, even though it was a 2-0 in favor of KT Rolster. They had uh, some really decent spots in both of those games. They were pretty close throughout both of them, but in the end, it really just came down to KT being better, aiming uh, the ADC for KT had some really clean fights where he is just untouched and free hitting on his champions. BDD had a really nice play at a, at a Baron fight in game one where he got like a four-man Emperor's Divide, perfectly timing it when Showmaker was coming out of Azanias to kill him, and then the rest of the team's able to pile in and they take down DK at the Baron. So it was a decent effort from DK. But just not enough in the end and as the fourth seed coming out of korea you, you kind of figured that at least one of these eastern teams was gonna drop out i think probably some people would have been having weibo more likely to drop out than dk because some people really did have damwon as, as the dark horse uh, coming into the tournament with the likes of lng but they fall up just short and they did not play their best league of legends by far again only being able to beat gam in bds for your two wins is, is not a good sign uh, for a korean team even if it is only the fourth seed yeah, and I, I think that the the unfortunate thing is that because of the way the draw played out, that one of the Eastern teams did have to be knocked out to make room for energy since they earned a spot. So DK did end up being that unfortunate team on the chopping block. But if I'm being honest, when I was watching that series against KT at the end there, that last one, to me, I feel like DK was kind of robbed in a sense, where in game one, they had a 4-0 Dragon Soul and really could have won that. But as you mentioned, BDD got that magical Azir ultimate and wiped them on a Baron. And then they later lost an Elder Flip that ended that game. And then in game two, they again, to me at least, looked stronger all game long. The gold might not have reflected that, but I think that they were playing really well and getting towards a win. But again, 
two big fights that they majorly blundered, and then that allowed KT to close. For me, I have to kind of point at Showmaker, where he should have been one of the staples for this team, obviously a former world champion not too long ago. But in, in one of those fights in game two, when DK secured their second Baron, he had a really good flank on Ari. He was uh, coming around behind the Baron pit and and was had the potential to start a fight, but he missed his charm. And then he stopped watched. And for me, watching that fight, I think he could have been fine. Like, if I'm not mistaken, he still had his ultimate. He could have dashed out if he really needed to, but could have even walked out the way I was looking at it. But because of that stopwatch, that allowed KT to position better. They lock him down, and then they dive on a deft to get rid of him, and the game's over. So I think it kind of pivoted off of him among, obviously, the blunders of the rest of the team to, to lose the fight. And as well, that... Sure, Showmaker had that one moment, but I think that Deft in general for the whole tournament just wasn't really having that good of a showing. Like, yes, he's the reigning world champion that's now been knocked out, but to me, he didn't pose too much of a threat against the other bot lanes that he was playing against. He looked comparatively invisible, I'd put it, compared to last year. And it was only in this final series where he had the Aphelios in both games that he really started to kind of ramp up, but by that point, it just wasn't enough. So I kind of can't really help but wonder that what could have been had they not lost that Elder Flip, like Showmaker had at that point landed a four-man Nico ult, and if they had secured the smite, it could have very easily gone their way, and then maybe they have confidence to play game two with more bold calls, but in the end... That's the way the cookie crumbles, and this is the team that had to be knocked out. And with the exit of DK, we will continue on to the rest of the 2-2 two two teams that found their way out of the tournament, both of them happening to be European. We'll start off with Fnatic, and I will say that, you know, again, for some of the struggles that Fnatic had throughout the season, as we've talked about before with the likes of BDS, making it to this point in the tournament is a huge accomplishment with all the roster shuffling that they've had to do, going from Wonder to Oscar, from Rux to Advienne to Trimby, from Reckless to Noah. I think that was the only change at ADC, correct me if I'm wrong, later Blue. But a lot of changes for that team. The fact that they even got to this final round of going to the quarters was a, a huge moment for them. And yes, obviously falling just short, not what they would have wanted, but still, in the end, if they look back on this season, it is got to be a success for them. And the fact that they're even able to take that convincing game one off a of Weibo as dominantly as they did, it probably left a lot of still confidence in the European fans, in the Fnatic fans. Like, hey, we, we were able to not only beat Weibo, but beat them in a pretty convincing fashion on top of that. Unfortunately, the other two games did not fall in their favor, especially that game three. That was brutal. But there, had to, there has to be some confidence there, especially in Razork. That dude went absolutely crazy, especially in Game 1 where Fnatic stomped. Weiwei was so far behind. He had a, an early invade on the blue buff, I believe. Razork did on Weiwei, set him behind, and then Weiwei didn't help himself either by just really trying to camp for some ganks that never ended up happening in the end. And you're going to be looking at Fnatic going into next year saying, hey, like we got a, a solid group here. I, I think the only change that you would probably maybe expect is at ADC for Noah, who was kind of up and down a little bit lackluster in this back end of the year. But Oscar Innan looks very solid. Razork had a phenomenal world. Humanoid's still looking pretty decent. I think Trimby is as well, even though we won't talk about that Alistar pick in the end of the game uh, three. But other than that, I think the only real change might be ADC, and you're still looking at a very competitive team in Fnatic uh, going into next year. Yeah, and I've got a lot to say about this team where, you know, I'm, I'm usually an anti-fan of Fnatic, but 
seeing as this is international, I, I was rooting for them, of course. And to me, com comparatively to Damwon, this is the other team that I'm not really sure deserves to be on this list right now. Where, yes, we've we've obviously got that solid performance we talked about last episode against BLG that ended up going sour near the end, but I want to kind of focus on the, the two series after that. So against Cloud9, Steve, you covered a lot of this. They won games two and three pretty clean. And then in game one, although C9 built up a good lead at first, they were I think struggling to close the game and that was due to sort of the the compositions that were in that game where on C9 side they have four melee champs plus a Zaya, so pretty weak siege, while Fnatic had really good wave clear on their side. And honestly, had Fnatic been able to stall another five minutes, I think there was a very real possibility that they won that game. So pretty good showing there. And then when they come up against Weibo in this final elimination slash promotion match, game one, as you said, was among probably the best of Fnatic I've seen all year, where obviously they had a write-off summer, or sorry, a write-off spring and a write-off winter, but then later on they started ramping up, and this particular game is is where they really shine. They made very few mistakes that could be exploited, they made some great picks that transitioned into some fights, and overall they just played so much better than Weibo. And the reason that I've got a little bit of doubt in them being eliminated is moving into those games two and three, where yes, of course they lost, and Weibo earned their spot to move on, but... Game two, if you look at that, really started strong. A lot of the same patterns that Fnatic was showing in that game one. They built up leads, they got some good ganks off, and they were on their way to win. But looking at the draft, I think that they indexed way too hard into the early game portion of that, where they have the Lee Sin and the Callista combo compared to the Maokai of Felios on the other side. They have scaling, whereas Fnatic really doesn't. And then they have support of Nar, Talia, Renata, huge teamfight champions that can either peel or engage or whatever it is to allow that Aphelios on Weibo's side to free hit and win the fight. So the best thing they could really hope for was Cassante on Fnatic's side being unkillable, or maybe Syndra on Humanoids somehow bursts that, that Aphelios. Like maybe, I don't know, Razor comes in with a Lee Sin kick somehow, finds the angle, and then they can burst him down and, and somehow win the fight from there. But really, they, they weren't given that opportunity, so they ended up losing. And then game three, Steve, you said we're not going to talk about it, but I got to bring up the fact that they picked that Alistar champ. Oh boy, here we go. They they saw the Caitlyn pick already, so obviously they know at this point that the enemy team is going to be looking for some sort of big range, because Kate's the most ranged AD carry in the game, I think, and they're going to pick a support that's going to match that and they're going to poke them out in lane so locking the alistar was a tough one you saw trimby and this is clipped all over twitter and youtube and everywhere else that trimby puts his head in his hands as soon as he sees that lux come through because they, they just know at that point that they messed up like alistar we know him as one of the weakest laning supports it's only later that he comes into prevalence and he had the mispleasure of dealing with one of the most annoying long-range poke duos in the entire game so totally unplayable from the start and it, it, it was just hard to at that point to watch but i i, I really want to reiterate some of the good points here where noah in domestically looked by far at his best when he was getting those aphelios zeri picks when those were meta obviously zeri not so much meta now but aphelios i think teams have started identifying isn't quite as bad as they might have initially thought and the priority has been going up so seeing Fnatic draft aphelios for noah almost every game in the second phase. He was really stepping it up, showing that he can go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And then as well, Razorak Humanoid, as I expected, we're at the center of the action, building those early game successes. Trimby comes in, links up, and, and they 
kind of snowball from there. Oscar wasn't really a highlight, but for a rookie, he also impressed me with how well he could hold his own. So I think I'm really excited to see what he does from here, given a little bit more stage experience. And it, it was just a nice thing to see that they were playing to their win conditions. And sure, they probably would have been exploited later on by some of the better teams. But I think that this this was a contender to reach quarters where G2 fell, and, and they could have done some good things with that. So kind of sad to see them go out the way they did. Obviously, pivoting now into the G2, the final team that was eliminated, the team that I am the most depressed about, surprise to nobody. Uh, the, the one thing I, I really want to say now, because we've kind of gone over their series against Energy already, is that I think that the reactions people have been having online have been mega overblown. Like, yes, they, they dropped that series that they probably shouldn't have, but if you really look at their performance, like in scrims, of course, whether you count that or not, they've been performing really well all year. Uh, they, they had a bit of a shaky spring, but otherwise they won three of the possible four domestic titles and were pretty dominant at that. They were the best Western team at MSI. Uh, and then coming into Worlds, they beat both Weibo and Damwon. So in, in totality, summarizing this year, when it comes specifically to the West versus the East comparison, we know that Fnatic took a game here off Weibo near the end of World Swiss, and then Golden Guardians took a single game off BLG at MSI. Meanwhile, G2 has taken five games off Eastern teams, where everyone else has zero. So I think that they, of course, they have their issues, but to dismiss them at this point as frauds because of that one series where they didn't show up on the day, that's foolishness. Like, it's it's not fair to the players. It's not fair to the team. They, they showed good stuff. And had things played out a little differently, I think that they could have gone pretty far. So I, I really want to see this roster stay together for 2024. I don't really see any huge problems. Like sure, Caps had a, a bit of a shaky performance here and there. And personally, I was considering the possibility of him being dropped. But realistically, I, I don't think that this roster has yet run its course. I want to see them continue playing, take what they learned from Worlds because they've definitely learned a lot. This has been a soul-crushing experience that they're going to channel hopefully into better performance next year. And maybe next year will be the year where they come back to form. So in the end, just good things to say about them despite that loss. And I, you'll, you'll see me here supporting them all the way. Yeah, and I want to see G2 stick together too, you know, just because, like you said, they had a rough series against NRG doesn't mean you have to make any sort of changes, especially like wholesale ones either, like the the team is clearly still talented, the the, the pedigree of the players is still there as we've as I run down before with Caps and Hans and etc. with Broken Blade, Yike even as the rookie still had a, a very strong performance, but yeah, it's just so close yet so far. They're they're really going to be wanting that NRG series back because that's the one where they knew it's like hey like this this is definitely the matchup we got to take it here because you go into the BLG series and they can still beat BLG but they're just not going to be the favorites going into it. Game two of that series though was absolutely nuts by far in my opinion the best game of world so far it was an incredible comeback from g2 it was just so so much back and forth action we saw another uh instance of, of azari going a bit too deep into a play uh, as i will as i want to mention with aiming later on in one of the kt games uh, i believe that was against dk but uh there was just such a crazy comeback caps was up and down like you said but that was a very strong game from caps especially at the end they're saving the game with killing elk in that bot lane play but it really, to me, when it came down to G2 was just consistency. They couldn't really find a solid, consistent way to win games throughout the whole tournament. 
They won those first two games against DK and against Weibo, but they were by far, uh, I should say rather, they were not the cleanest games. And the fact that they won those games was a minor miracle in and of itself from the back-to-back throws at Baron, and then once you throw at Baron, you have to find a way back in it, obviously. The fact that they were able to find those picks and those plays in back-to-back games is absolutely ridiculous. And then after those two games, they just weren't able to win uh, a game after that, obviously, going two and three. They, they won an uh, individual game against BLG, but obviously couldn't take the series. And it is disappointing to see them go out like that, because as I teased that in the beginning, this was the team that everybody thought coming out of the West would be a guarantee. It's like, it's always going to be G2, you know, they're, they're, they're really good, they can, they can definitely make it to quarters, they can probably even push towards semis if they get a favorable matchup for them. The, the, the players are just really, really good, the team play has been standout, you know, as it usually is for G2. And this was the team that people were going to be riding or dying with coming out of the West. They come up just short in the end. And it's the first time since 2014 that a European team has not made it out into the knockout stages, into the quarterfinal rounds. And let alone on top of that, it's it's a year where the one of the biggest underdogs coming out of North America and NRG, even though they obviously took the number one seed, no one was really going to give them that respect going into Worlds, but they find their way in as well. It's a, it's a big shift right there for the NAEU rivalry with no EU teams coming out and a big success story in NRG making it out. But we'll see how that continues into next year because to, to round it out again with G2, I still really like the team. The players are great. I don't really see a need to make any super big changes. You can probably just run it back, let the experience wash over a guy like Yike who's only going to be getting better, you would hope, and make a run at it again next year. And we'll see if you know maybe even some changes to the format can help make things a bit more fairer down the line for some of these teams like NRG who have had favorable draws. And then you look at some other teams like KT uh, who only got to play Eastern teams in the Swiss stage. That's pretty brutal for them. But they found a way out, obviously, being a Korean team themselves. They're they're very strong. So shout out to G2, but just so close so far. They got to work on that consistency. I wasn't sold on their games that they won early on, and it came back to bite them in the end. It did. And you, you drew that little bit of a tangent there to energy and we can kind of use that to to pivot now into the teams that have been promoted, that have been successful going into this knockout stage here. And where else to start but with NRG? Where for me, it, it would, as much as I wanted to see G2 here, it would be an egregious mistake for me not to recognize that their performance in that promotion series was insane. They have earned their spot here and, and huge, huge accomplishment there as well for NA as a whole to to outmatch EU overall in that in that standings and even in the head to head. Now that we've had the chance to see more of those Western rivalries, it's it's been a good year for NA and not so much for EU. So, yeah, huge huge credit to Energy. But with that being said, I think that I do have to say I'm not too convinced we're going to see anything special from them moving forward. Where I I think that they were looking back. I think that this was the only team that had only wins against western teams to get here so they beat tl the team that was eliminated by gam they beat mad then in the most unconvincing ugliest game of the tournament so far for me and then the final stop was g2 which again was probably their their best look all year where they really earned a well-fought victory so we haven't seen them too much against the east ironically enough it was their debut game against weibo that 
that they got dismantled and and shut out with no chance to breathe. So I guess you can kind of run with the narrative that they're non-rational gaming, but I just don't think that that really extends to when they have to go up against the East now. So kudos to them, but I don't know if I can put my confidence in them too much. Yeah, it's still definitely going to be an underdog story as we'll go into Weibo now. Might as well since they are NRG's opponent in the quarterfinal round. It's not like Weibo had an easy time getting here either. They also uh, only had to beat NRG and MAD to get into their 2-2 uh, rounds. And then they lost to KT and G2 uh, for their two losses. The, the first BO3 they had to play was against Mad Lions, and they made uh, relatively quick work of them. Again, I talked about that first game, but they had a convincing comeback in that one. And then I will say Fnatic did end up playing Weibo pretty solidly. As we mentioned before, the game one was very convincing from Fnatic, but Weibo just ended up being the better team, especially in that third and final game. But I don't really think I'm, I've been too sold on Weibo overall either. I think that Overall, there hasn't been like too many standout performances that I remember. I do remember Xiaohu had a really crazy like Oriana game. I forget who they were playing, but he was like really the only person on Weibo doing well that game. But other than that, I mean, even with Xiaohu, his tournament has still been up and down. I feel like the Shy has been, you know, decently good, but again, kind of up and down. I feel like Light's just been solid, like he kind of just usually is. He's not a super standout carry amongst the, the ranks of the LPL, but he's fine, you know, like he'll, he'll be more than good enough to get the job done. I think when it just kind of comes to Weibo, they've been kind of riding the wave, as, as they usually are. It, it's sometimes good, sometimes bad with them. Luckily, they've had some easier matchups to, to get into the knockout rounds here, again, beating NRG and Mad and Fnatic only. So maybe against some better competition, they end up struggling a bit more, but it's obviously hard to say when you're playing in hypotheticals. And again, even even just as lucky for them as we were talking about with NRG getting matched up with Weibo, that's probably the easiest opponent they could have drawn. It's definitely the easiest opponent that Weibo could have drawn and could continue their run of just beating up on these Western teams to try to make it to the semifinals. And, you know, hopefully, I think at that point, I think they end up playing... Genji versus BLG, if I remember correctly. So that might not still be an easy matchup for them, assuming a Genji is the winner of that one, as I think most people would expect. But Weibo obviously does have a shot. As I've said plenty of times by now, once you make it into the big dance, you anything can happen. Everyone has a, a, a somewhat realistic shot of winning. They will be favored going into NRG, but it's not like Weibo has been uh, super impressive for me throughout the world's tournament so far. Yeah, I echo a lot of the same sentiment where energy isn't a team we should expect too much out of. Weibo is in the exact same kind of scope of, of where they stand. So like, yeah, the the Shy, you know, he's he's been doing exactly what the Shy does, where he's had pop-off moments and also really big int moments all at the same time. So I'm sure we can count on more of that. Uh, I can venture to say that Crisp is probably the weakest support left, even below Ignar, I would say, in my opinion. And then, like, yeah, as you mentioned, Zhao Hu was the, the main force leading the team, even still to this day. He brought them two worlds, and now he's brought them knockouts. And I think that the, the big difference now is that Light has been seemingly playing better than he did domestically. So that's a plus for the team. But it's it's a little hard for me to put too much faith in this team, besides that quarterfinals, which we'll get to later. And and that's that's just where I'll leave it, where... We, we can kind of pivot now into LNG, one of the better teams, I'd say, in the LPL by quite a bit. 
and yeah, I think we've we've covered this team a lot uh, in the past couple episodes, and I'm sure we'll have plenty more to say about them for knockouts. So right now, this is the team for me that we we saw them play a pretty good showing against JDG despite not winning, and then take a three one overall record going into knockouts. So not too shocked to see them go through, and I think that this is going to be one of the big teams to watch that isn't necessarily favored, but should put on a very good performance. Yeah, I'm, I'm still keeping LNG in the, the dark horse category, I guess you could call it, as I mentioned before, with the likes of D+, who many people had them with them. I don't think that it's been a great tournament for LNG. I think that with the way that the C9 game went, they had the the bit of a, a moment of, of, of scare with C9 getting the bear and picking Scout out of the paws, but Cooler Heads prevailed with them and they were able to find that fight in mid and end up taking care of business, even though it took them a little bit of a, a rocky road to get there. Their, their 0-2 against JDG was kind of brutal, like... I don't, I don't think it was a, a, a great series from, from LNG, uh, especially when we've seen them play against JDG much better uh, recently in the, in the summer finals, taking them to a full five. I don't think that that was a bright spot for them. And even their, their KT series was, was really weird. The, the first game was pretty close, and uh, they ended up finding an advantage at a Baron fight that they were able, they were able to snowball into a what ended up being a convincing win, but it was basically a close game up until like the 25-minute mark, I believe, when that, that Baron fight happened. Game 2, KT whoops them, but then in Game 3, they whooped KT even harder than they got whooped in Game 2. So it was kind of just a weird back and forth with a, 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 an at least pretty interesting Game 1, and then Game 2 and 3 just end up being a 1-1 stomp bone go going both ways but lng was able to pull out that that tight one in the first game so they've looked solid i don't think it's the best that they've looked by far in in terms of their their play over the course of summer uh, and, and going into worlds i think that scout is still playing pretty decently he's still probably performing uh the best in terms of their main carries with gala gala has had some some rougher games than than scout i believe over the course of worlds they're still solid like i said i'd still put them as a dark horse to win it all if i'm just looking at the the teams that make it that made it through i'd still probably put them yeah i mean probably top three if if, if i had to put it obviously jdg's the favorite and then gen g and then they're kind of in that same tier with T1 and maybe BLG still. Uh, so d not not quite the favorites, but again, I think a solid Dark Horse run is still in them. They definitely have the talent. Now it's just a matter of can they get back uh, to their peak forms and, and overcome the demon that is JDG eventually. So the next team that advanced through to the quarterfinal rounds was T1. They ended up getting in with a three and a three and one record. They looked shaky in the early goings of the tournament, obviously having that close game against TL that we talked about in previous episodes, and then they lost a, a fairly convincing game uh, to Gen G. Ended up going one and one uh, as a result of those first two games. They had a dominant win against C9 to push them to 2-1, and one. and then came that BLG series where I feel like a lot of people had BLG winning, partly because I would assume, in fact, to 
Uh, BLG beating them 2-0 at MSI earlier in the year, as well as, again, just T1 not looking too great. They had a close win against TL, but it was surprising that it was close. Genji took care of them, and it's not like a stomp victory against C9 is going to be restoring a ton of confidence uh, into T1, because that's kind of how you would expect that game to go in the first place. So, definitely not unreasonable expectations for T1 to lose that series against BLG, but they made quick work of them in Game 1. And then going into game two, they were down uh, early on, especially in the top lane, because Bin was absolutely freaking it on Zeus in the top lane. But it just, when it got to the team fight stage, they just always seemed to be going in favor of T1. On had some engages that he tried, whether they were primary engages or secondary, trying to follow up someone else or responding to a play from T1. They never really worked. He was just not able to convert on those uh, engages in those fights. And Gumayushi was just able to deal so much damage. Uh, thanks to Karia, especially playing Tom Kench both games, who did a super great job of peeling him and Faker with ults, finding good opportunities with the W to try and find peel or find a knockup to help out and support T1's engages. Guma was having so many clean fights where you look on the opposite side, Elk was rarely able to have a clean fight. He was constantly under threat from Karia and from Owner. So it ended up being a actually pretty strong 2-0 for T1 against BLG when a lot of people definitely were not expecting that. I mentioned Karia, he absolutely played phenomenally in both of those games. Definitely the MVP of the series for me playing that Senna Tom in the first game was very fun to see T1 pull out. And then even the second game on Tom Kent as well, I believe Guma was playing Jinx that game. He went absolutely crazy with Guma Yushi and a super strong performance from both of those guys was kind of what I was hoping to to see uh, if T1 were going to win this series, because when I predicted T1 to win, I was kind of relying on Gumayushi and Karia being better than Elk, and then we'll see if Faker can put in some decent performances here and there too. Gumayushi, especially in that game two, was able to pop off and ended up being a very convincing win and a very strong way for T1 to ride some momentum going into the quarterfinals. For me, I echo a lot of the same sentiments, sure, but not including NRG, I think that this is the team that surprised me the most. Not so much that they made it through, obviously I had them in my top 8, but more so because they they won that 2-0 series against BLG in such a convincing fashion. I was among the people that had BLG winning, and I even said that it would be 2-0, and it went the opposite direction. So if if you really look at how this team has progressed, like the the two gripes that I had coming into Worlds now was that A, Owner was the weakest link on the team, but now he showed a big jump in confidence and then that BLG series was a, a big reason why they won with some of those Jarvan engages. And then the other one was that Faker, after those injuries to his hands, looked a bit shaky in terms of micro-execution. But that, at this point, isn't really a big deal either because there's a big fight that comes to mind for me. Uh, this was near Genji's bottom lane turret where Faker's on Orianna, and just because of the way he kind of moves around, uses his abilities, he stays along way longer than he had any right to and allowed his team to collapse and get a favorable trade. That really took hands to do, and he pulled that off. So I think that a lot of the issues that T1 had coming into Worlds from Summer have been ironed out at this point, and it it should be expected now that as they come into the knockouts, that they should be respected, they should be seen as a major threat. And that's really good to see. I want to see this team do well, and I think they've got the ingredients at this point to do that. But I think we need to kind of transition where on the one side T1 has been 
on the rise. For me, KT is a team that I'd say has been on the downturn. And sure, that there was a bit of that already domestically. But in our Swiss preview, I had a lot of confidence in this team, you might recall, where uh, they they should have been a team coming in that will perform well and should show that they have good components. But I've since learned that believing in them is a bit of a mistake. And now I'm kind of unsure about what I should feel about this team. Where sure, on the one hand, I get the impression that someone on KT did something to offend the RNG gods and they, they've been catching no breaks whatsoever in terms of draw. BLG, then Damwon, then Weibo, then LNG, then Damwon again, is probably one of the roughest draws where not only did they not play a single Western team, they played all five rounds of Swiss. So crazy the way that that turned out, and they still pulled through. But on the flip side, we've seen that a lot of the same issues they had in summer have been perpetuating and growing in number, where... They build up advantages, sure their early games are good, but I found that they've been struggling to close out some of those games. So what comes to mind for me immediately is that debut game they had against BLG, where aiming, at that point they were pretty well on their way towards winning, but aiming gets caught out by Bin, and then a game that otherwise looked done was suddenly taken from them and they're 0-1. So overall, I think that this is a team that has shown good things, but I'd have to retract my initial prediction about them being sort of one of those teams that could rise above what their seed is. Where, yeah, they're better than Damwon. They had the 3-0 head-to-head there in just this tournament alone. But I'm not really sure I can, with any sort of confidence, say that they're competitive against T1 or Genji. So LCK third seed is accurate, and I'm not super confident in this team going forward. Yeah, I mean, you know your schedule's tough when the, the break in your schedule, or the easy part of your schedule at Worlds, is playing plus Kia twice, uh, one in the best of one and then one in the best of three. So definitely brutal for them to have such a a hard draw and then they still are able to fight their way out into quarterfinals and your reward is getting matched up with the undisputed favorites for the tournament in in JDG. So definitely brutal in terms of their luck with the draw. And I think that I do agree that they have not had, obviously, an easy road to get here. They have not looked the best in their road to get here either. Uh, I do think that in terms of watching some of the key players, I think aiming has still had overall a decent uh, enough tournament. There was obviously that play in the BLG game that you mentioned, and then there was the play in one of their games against D plus Kia in this best of three, where he's playing Zeri, they just uh, took Baron and won a little skirmish. He ends up dashing down over one of the walls in mid lane towards uh, the actual mid lane, and he rides the wall way too deep, and he ends up landing right in between, I believe it was Kana and Deft, and he gets absolutely deleted trying to try to extend that chase down way too far ahead of his team. And then that really ends any sort of pressure from the rest of that play. And it was just really weird because like we've seen, you know, that we've seen that happen before with Zeres where they, they ride the wall and they go in too deep, but he was really going way too deep, way too far ahead of his team. I don't know if he thought he had a better angle than he did, or if he thought that they weren't both over there being uh, down towards the mid lane, but I think he, I'm pretty sure he saw them both go down there. So they're just a, a weird decision from that sense too. But I think there also have been plenty of fights where he has been able to free hit and he has been able to maneuver around a fight and and just play it really, really well. In that same series against DK, he found multiple fights where he was free hitting, he found some good follow-ups. Uh, there was a fight around the, the Raptor pit in mid lane kind of later on into a game where there was an, an initial engage 
from Keen on the Gnar, who found like a three-man Gnar into the raptor pit wall. He dashes and gets the ult into execute deft into the GA, and then they're able to get a decent little uh, trade in the fight off of that. So he still has had some good moments, but it's not been perfect. And I definitely agree it has, not, it has been far from perfect for KT as a whole, and the reward for going through that grueling schedule and having to, again, their only break, so-called break, being DK in that run here is to play against JDG. So best of luck for KT going into that one. It's been fun watching them play, but as you know, if you watch the LCK, if you are a fan of KT, you never get excited for KT Rollster because this is what happens when you get excited. Don't even utter that word. Don't, ha don't do that. I shouldn't even be saying the EXC word, but I did. So I apologize to the KT fans, uh, even for just for even uttering that word in this podcast. My fault. They're going 0-3 now. Like, it's, it's undeniable. They were going to go 0-3 anyways, but yeah, not, not now it's for sure. So now this leaves us with the last team to have qualified into the knockout stage of the World Championships. It was BLG. They got here beating KT and Fnatic. They ended up getting pretty thoroughly beaten in two of their best of threes by JDG and T1. They end up coming into this series against G2, still probably as the favorites, especially seeing after G2's loss to NRG. But I think there was still maybe a little bit of hype going into this series, and I think it did deliver still. It was a 2-1. It was in favor of BLG. The the games 1 and 3 went relatively convincingly for them. Uh, there was definitely some some strong play, especially by Bin in each of these games. Bin on Jax is a thing that should never be happening anymore, yet it still is happening. So credit for, for Bin to still be able to find these ways to, to get jacks and mind control these other teams into not banning it uh, and he's able to pop off on the pick definitely his best pick but that game two was very very close and we mentioned that in the g2 part of it and i mentioned that play in bot lane with elk who has been kind of up and down in this tournament with uh, that zeri play they just want to fight in the bot lane they have baron so they're trying to push to end the game but elk just gets a little bit too far ahead of his team and it was a great reaction from caps to throw out the root on nico follow it up with the q and uh elk already lost his ga in that fight he was playing zeri so i assume he would he would have had a shield bow as well he didn't have the shield bow in that fight from the ga being popped obviously so he blows up and then blg can't end that game at that moment and then g2 are able to find a way back in but BLG did take care of them in Game 3, finding their way here. I think overall, they've still had some pretty decent team play. I've been definitely impressed by Bin. Uh, Elk has been, like I said, probably relatively fine, but uh, definitely going to be under some pressure after watching his performance at the end of some of those last games, especially in Game 2 where he got out twice. Uh, in both of those like, kind of final major fights to, to wrap it up for G2 and getting that comeback win. And then I don't think I've been too impressed from Yagao either. I, I I don't feel like I have really remember calling Yagao's name a lot. The only time I remember doing it was in a negative fashion. I don't think he was doing that well. I think it was a Jace game. He was playing pretty poorly. So uh, I think Yagao definitely has some room to improve, at least from what I remember. Maybe you'll have a, a different viewpoint on that that I, I'm not exactly recalling correctly, but I think BLG is definitely going to be in a tough matchup against Gen.G, probably the second favorite team to win the tournament behind JDG. That's a, a rough draw for them. Yeah, and you, you focused on the G2 series. I'm going to continue putting that series out of my mind and instead focus on how they played against T1, where in that game one, for whatever reason, like 
Number one, I was really happy to see Nidalee. I'm a bit of a Nidalee aficionado myself, so was happy to see that picked for the first time. But for some reason, they decided to flip the game with a level one invade, and then it went south. And at that point, Jun's Nidalee was just kind of irrelevant for the rest of the game. He couldn't snowball, and, and they were kind of down like half a player at that point. But then you'd turn your attention topside where Bin was supposed to be this star player. Zeus kind of gapped him with a solo kill in game one and then looked much better in team fights. But then on the flip side, you've got game two where Bin comes back and replies with two solo kills. So game two overall looked much better, I'd say, for BLG in that one where they had leads across top, mid, and jungle. But unfortunately for them, it was Karia's Tom that really smurfed that game, got Gumuyoshi snowballing, and then that got out of control and they lost again. So if, kind of in summary, if I was unsure about KT earlier, then I'm even less sure about this squad, where the one thing I can pretty confidently say is this is a weaker performance than the BLG we saw at MSI, but you can't really ignore the fact that they've got some of those really high highs still poking through, and despite all this chaos, they, they have been coming to play. So they earned their spot here, but I don't really know how to feel about them in the end. Yeah, this Gen G series is definitely going to be a pivotal one for BLG, because if they take down Gen G, you probably feel comfortable about their odds going against anyone else in the tournament except for JDG, who have just had their number for basically it seems like years at this point, but definitely this season as well. So we will do a final send-off to the Swiss stage. So long to C9, to Mad Lions, to Gam, D+, Kia, Fnatic, and G2. Congratulations to LNG, NRG, T1, KT, Weibo Gaming, and Billy Billy Gaming for advancing. The Swiss stage is now behind us, and we are going to be looking forward into the knockout round, starting with these quarterfinal matchups at the end of this week. The first one on the docket being Weibo Gaming versus NRG, the Chinese fourth seed versus the North American first seed. And despite the seeding and what the seeding might tell you, the best team out of North America facing the fourth seed out of China, oh, you know, one versus four sounds pretty good if you don't know much about the game, but we know a decent bit about the game here. And I got Weibo winning three games to zero. Yeah, and this series is just hilarious to me because both of these teams beat only Western teams to get here. And now they've once again won the draw and will one of these teams now we're guaranteed will occupy a spot in the top four. So it's it's really hard for me to sound smart talking about this series. I think both sides are really flippy and either one could win based on who shows up on the day. So analysis is mostly useless. All I'm going to say is that uh, I think the the difference in skill will be apparent and that as flippy as it may be, Weibo, I think, takes this 3-1, to one, maybe even 3-0, to zero, but I'm going to lock in 3-1 to one because, as a Western fan, I hope that Energy can take at least one there. The one thing I will be looking at, though, in this series is the jungle mid, because I do feel like that Light and Chris probably still do outclass FBI and Ignar, even though you seem to be really low on Chris, but I don't necessarily disagree, but putting him against lower than Ignar is seems seems a little bit interesting. And then the Shy versus Dokla. Obviously the Shy's, you know, still been up and down despite his uh, rampant fan base and what they would tell you, but him against Dokla, you would still obviously take him in that matchup. 
But Contracts and Palafox have been looking pretty, pretty good, and it's been far from a clean tournament for both Weiwei and Xiaohu. So if there is a spot where NRG would be able to take advantage, it would be this jungle mid. Both of those guys have been playing super, super strong. So if there is an interesting spot to watch for NRG taking a game, maybe two if they're lucky, I would say, then it would come through that jungle mid. Uh, difference there. I don't think the other lanes are really going to be able to play too much of uh, a really clean game. I think they are outskilled, but if, if you do want to give NRG some momentum and some credit to take a game or two, as some people might like to do, look for that jungle and mid matchup to be the spot where they do it. And then moving on to their potential opponents, on the other side of that quarterfinal half, we've got Genji, first seed from the LCK, versus BLG, the second seed unofficially the third seed of the LPL. And I think that there's a lot of things riding on this series, and there's a long list of reasons for that. Where for Genji, this is the first real test this tournament, I'd say, where as I mentioned last episode, their road to get here was, relatively speaking, pretty easy, and this will be the first time that they come up against an LPL team. And then for BLG, this is their last chance to determine if they'll be playing like a team that went 15-1 and one summer regular season, or if they'll play the team that like the team that finished third in summer playoffs and have been pretty hit or miss so far at Worlds. And then as for the bracket, the winner of this one is going to play the winner of Energy Weibo. So in theory, whoever wins this will have a free ride to finals. So very important matchup. Now, if I'm going with the half of my brain that likes narratives, I will say this. Genji can't make finals, so BLG has to stop them here. But it's not semifinals yet, so Genji should win. And then the other half of my brain that favors analysis BLG smacked Genji when they last met at MSI, so BLG should win. But then BLG look weaker, and Genji look stronger since then, so Genji should maybe win. In the end, you know I'm a little kind of flippy on this, but I kind of have to favor Genji because I'd feel crazy not to. But I'm hoping for a 3-2 banger, and then Genji will come through on, on top. So yeah, I, I like your breakdown of how you're thinking about that series overall. I'm going to go Genji three games to one. I think even though that they have had an easier road to get to the quarters, they still had to play against T1 and they took care of them pretty convincingly. They obviously 3-0'd their way into the tournament quarterfinals, whereas BLG had to go the full distance of five games to get here. And obviously when you go through five, it's going to be kind of up and down. Not everyone's going to be looking great in each game. I'd say Bin has still probably been the best performing player on that team. And I think that he and with the highs of Elk and the highs of Yagao, if he can get back up to snuff. There is definitely potential for a close series here, but I'm going to go Genji 3-1. I've liked what I've seen out of Genji more. I think they've played the overall year of League of Legends a lot better, so I'm going to end up leaning towards them 3-1, to even though I do think that there is definitely potential for it to go to 5. I'm going to lean with a team that I have a lot more confidence in right now, and that's Genji 3-1. to and then we'll transition into the bottom side of the quarterfinals bracket with JDG playing up against KT. Such a fun time for KT to get matched up against the number one seed out of China as the reward for only playing Eastern team in the quarters. And again, from looking at KT playing not necessarily in their peak form, I do think that Unfortunately for them, their reward is going to be getting 3-0'd out by JDG, who have just been so dominant for so long, looking for the Golden Road, as everyone knows, trying to win every single title that they can, and this is going to be a great start for them to hopefully get some easy momentum and build it up going into what should be a tough matchup against either one of LNG or T1. Yeah, for me as well, I'm going to say JDG 3-0 as my lock-in. 
And this is kind of the only quarterfinal matchup here that I'm really confident in predicting, where my expectation is that JDG is going to win the whole thing. And then KT, outside of obviously Weibo and NRG, are probably the weakest team to me coming into this top eight. So the gap here on paper is pretty massive. And it's not impossible that KT will take a game, but given how dominant JDG have looked like literally all year long, I think this should be a pretty quick series, both in time and in games, so it's it's a 3-0. And then we're going to end up wrapping this up with what should be the closest series of the quarterfinals between LNG and T1. This is the only series that I have going to a full five. I have LNG winning three games to two. Both of these teams, LNG and T1, have not necessarily looked at their top forms playing here through Worlds and finding their way into the quarterfinals. And both of these teams do have some similarities in their play style. LNG, despite being in the LPL, from what we've seen of them, they tend to be a team that they end up playing to the late stages of the game a bit more often. They're not nearly as fast-paced as some of the other LPL teams are. And obviously with T1 coming out of the LCK, that's been the LCK style for forever, is just scaling up, playing late game, trying to minimize mistakes as much as possible and find those one or two fights towards the late game to close out their opponents as, as you know in as clean a fashion as they can but but still being extra careful about it so it should be a tight series with both of those teams kind of having that sort of tendency i'm going the way of lng three games to two it's not a super clear cut reason for it i think that this will definitely be as i said the closest game of the quarterfinals i'm just leaning towards lng because i'm going to take the gamble on scout especially but gala as well being able to outperform gumayushi had a great series in their decider one to go into the quarterfinals against blg against elk who is obviously still a top 80 carry up there with gala but i'm going to take that edge on gala and i'm definitely going to take the edge of scout onto faker scout winning the lpl summer mvp he still hasn't looked super convincing uh, in world so far but i think he's definitely up there in that top echelon of mid laners and i'm definitely going to be counting on him to be the x factor because i feel like the gap between Iguma and Elk is probably a bit closer than the one between Scout and Faker. Faker obviously had to miss some time during the season. He's come back and he's looked pretty solid, but I'm going to bet on the LPL Summer MVP to dominate this series and end up being the X Factor that LNG needs and the rest of the team, as long as they can kind of just hold their own, which is kind of what Zika's been doing really well in the top lane, just being a super solid guy up there. He's not very flashy, not going to be playing a lot of interesting picks usually, but he just knows how to get the job done, survive the lane, and play solidly in the team fights i'm going to pin it on scout to be winning this series for lng three to two yeah so the one thing i'll agree with you definitely is that this is the matchup i'm most looking forward to not a surprise it got that primetime sunday slot but i will differ with you on the opinion on how the series will go and quite a bit you'll find so like yes lng they're the team here that for me is contender for second best team in the world behind just JDG. I think in the head-to-head versus Gen G, they have a pretty good shot. So on paper, they're coming in really, really hot. However, T1 for me are looking revitalized. I'm not convinced that they've shown their peak so far. So 
I could probably sit here and review the the games that these teams have played, spend hours upon hours dissecting them, but in the end, I, I think that'll just leave me even less sure in my conclusion, so I'll leave it at this. At a glance, LNG really should take this one, but because my gut is telling me T1 still has more in the tank and they're going to come in surprising me, my expectation is that they're going to win and it's even going to be a 3-1 in favor of T1. Not so much because I think the the series isn't close, but something about these close matchups tend not to go to five games. So like a lot of conjecture here, but in the end, I'm going to give it 3-1 to T1 and hope that I'm right on this one. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think that that's an unlikely outcome. I do think that these teams are pretty even in terms of skill. I just want to put this one to five games because I do think that this should be the closest matchup in theory that I want to put one of these series to five games. I'm going to give the edge to LNG for the reasons I said before, mostly being looking on the scout. It could be a, uh, an easy world where T1 wins this series, whether it be 3-1 or 3-2. I'd be very surprised if it goes a 3-0 in either way, but if, if you predicted, you know, T1, 3-1, like you said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the score. Just not going to be what I'm going to end up going with for my prediction. And the other kind of angle, if I can kind of throw it in here, is that I think that T1 winning would make the whole tournament more interesting, so I'm really hoping that they win. Because there is a scenario, yes, this has been a pretty good quarterfinals draw, but there is a scenario where all it requires really is BLG upsetting Gen G, and then suddenly we've got four LPL teams in the semifinals. So I don't want that scenario. I really want to see T1 take on JDG. So I'm, I'm hoping for T1 to win. I just think that the, the better matchup in terms of that semifinals would be JDG versus LNG. You're, you're kind of maybe really looking at a world finals matchup in the semifinals, unless uh, Gen.G does make it through, which I, I would bet that they would. But that really is just such a, a cool matchup to have JDG and LNG meet yet again. Obviously going as far back to the summer finals, as we've mentioned plenty of times before, a 3-2 for JDG, then the 2-0 of JDG versus his LNG earlier in the world's tournament here to have them meet up again for a, a third time in a very quick succession or a, a, rather a very quick period of time would be super entertaining to watch and we'd really get to see if LNG has been has been able to learn enough to find the holes in JDG's armor which doesn't really really seems like that there is any but you got to be able to find something at some points i would hope that going into a third matchup in recent history would be a, a fun series to see lng try and put up at that last stand and t1 i don't i don't feel like they'd be able to put up as good of a matchup against jdg i just feel like seeing lng play against them gives me a lot of confidence that they can do it whereas not seeing t1 play against them i feel like that going into it blind i would just be much more likely to just put blind faith into jdg than than going into into t1 in that case so that's just my thoughts on it but i see where you're coming from all right and with all that being said that is another episode of the western focus podcast under our belts so thank you so much to everyone still here for watching and you know what to do from here. Number one, drop us a follow here on Spotify. Make sure to tune into the rest of our coverage of the World's Championship. And also head over to Twitter. Drop us a follow at NRE. That is no rival underscore esports. And we'll see you back at the next stage at the end of the quarterfinals. Bye for now.